0: Hang on a left. Hang on a left. All right, guys, right now I'm in the car with my crew. We're in Branson, Missouri, and Sam is driving. One of her eyes has a contusion on it, and we are going to Yakov Smirnoff's uh, theater. Hey, can you not put music on, Sam? Take a right. Um, Yakov Smirnoff, uh, for anyone that was born probably pre- what what would you say, man's man's? Me and you are the of, of the age that and then take another right that we remember him distinctly. We should have, I remember him being on Johnny Carson. I remember him being on Johnny Carson.
1: So I don't know who Johnny Carson like, is. <laughs> 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 must have
0: been a late, like he was a late '80s guy, right? He was, was he was he was really big in in the and '80s. The left. Really big in the '80s. Perestroika. Perestroika, exactly. And uh, and we're going to his place. He he has a theater in Branson, Missouri. He is. Massively successful in Branson, Missouri He kind of reinvented himself veterans. He reinvented That's okay He reinvented himself A number of times the next right. I'm so excited to talk to him uh, This is You know, my infatuation with comedy Is Yakov Smirnoff uh, I love stand-up and, I, and he was a great stand-up We listened to some of his uh, He still is a great stand-up I don't want to say he was He still is a great stand-up, stand-up And he had to reinvent himself A number of times Coming to Branson from L.A. And I can't wait to talk to him and I'm with my whole crew. They're coming out to sit through the podcast. They may talk. They may not talk. Uh, I don't have any sponsors. Why don't I have any sponsors? Because I enjoy doing this podcast. And quite honestly, sponsors sometimes make it cumbersome. Saying that DraftKings.com, I, they're not my sponsor, but goddamn, I fucking love them. <laughs> I'm the, I don't have a I don't have a sponsorship with them, but man, I'm fucking in the fuck out of my weekends. I put a lot of money on Michael Vick this weekend. <laughs> Man, that did not pay off. Do you? Does it count? Do you get points on DraftKings when he blocks for a running back? <laughs> yeah. um, so you're taking this to Branson Landing, which pretty much... Is so I am fair. on DraftKings. So you're going to hit me, do me up and do like a... Yeah. Sam, just... That's what, what Google Maps runs us. So. so we're pulling up to Yakov Smirnoff's theater. It's his theater. It's a 2000 seat theater. He has uh, entertained over 4 million people, I think, in the last few years. He does a 10:30 show. He is from Russia. A.M. A.M., a 10.30 A.M. show. And yes, I have been drinking vodka. And yes, he does not drink. He's very healthy. Man, you're going to love this guy. Do we know this? I know this because I've done my research. But let's see how this interview goes. Mm -hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Burt Cast presents (laughs) Yakov.
1: This is... Hi. Hi. This, this is, is my crew. Sam. Fam. 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 Sam. I'm John. <laughs> hey, nice to meet this you. This is my
0: uh, cameraman and uh, my uh, production uh, uh, right. manager.
1: Cool, please. So let Can me set up some up? mics,
0: if you don't mind. Yeah. yeah. I'll here, is that okay? So are we filming? You're nope, no, 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 no. Just they just, just came the song to song hang out. out. They're just fans. Oh, oh okay,
1: got it. So thank you. Yeah, you bet. You bet. So where did you come from, L.A.?
0: I'm in L.A., yeah. Yeah, and why doing uh, we're doing my show, Birth Conqueror, for Travel Channel. Okay. Uh, it was, it was uh, a show we did a while ago. Uh-huh. And then um, I ended up doing another show, and the network brought it back, and so now we're doing that one. Cool. Yeah. So, uh, So yeah. So, we're, we went and shot at Silver Dollar City. Silver yeah. Dollar City, Day. yeah?
1: Yeah.
0: But uh, give me two seconds. Was it good? It yeah, it was good. It was a lot of fun. Yeah.
1: Have you been up there? Okay. Yeah, I, I, my kids grew up there, kind of. You know, the, we've been here for 20. This is my 23rd year, so so there little things I don't do or uh, haven't done in here. 23 years in Branson. Yeah. It's, it's, do do you to hold the microphone. I don't mind. Okay. I've done it. <laughs> Where's my uh, headset? I was just Can you please you get me two tickets for tomorrow morning? Are they Under. No, I'll play this one. I'm going to put this in here. Good call. What were you saying? I'm sorry. I was just, I didn't know it. I've never been to Ransom before, and I was surprised about the geography of it. Uh-huh. There's a beautiful lake, and they yeah. all this... It's, very, it's much more mountainous than I thought. Yeah, Ozark Mountains, and it's what kind of attracted people here to begin with. Um, and then show business was kind of a afterthought. It wasn't initially... They had a couple of hillbilly shows, Presleys and Boldenovers. That's how it started. And then... Roy Clark, I think, was the first one, celebrity entertainer, and then had good success, and then got a lot of other people kind of following here. that mic real quick. One two, one two. Hello, <laughs> hello, hi. Perfect, awesome. Um,
0: we're recording. Hey, I gotta say, thank you so much. You're so welcome. This is uh, it's a real honor. You know, as a comic, I've been doing comic, f- I've been doing comedy for about. 16 years, uh-huh. and as a comic, I mean, uh, I think you you, and your generation of comics kind of led the charge into the woods that we followed <laughs> behind. <laughs> but, I mean, you know that's true, right? Obviously. <laughs> like, you guys were the Rodney Dangerfield yeah. guys. Yeah, and yeah, And yeah. those are the guys that made us discover comedy on New Year's Eve. They'd play that on repeat on Comedy Central, right when Comedy Central came out. And I remember sitting, I remember it was a, one of the first times I smoked pot, and I was sitting with... with with uh you're gonna blame blame me for getting your stone it's your fault (laughs) but it was it was uh it was one of those times where you went this is comedy this is stand-up and 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 never never did i ever in a million years that night chris roberts was the other guy by the way uh did i think that i could do stand-up ever Mm. because Mm. it just didn't seem achievable Mm. but then i and 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 I've done a little bit of research on you. I don't. Want, I didn't want to do too much, but I didn't want to ask a lot of questions that you've been asked a million times. Mm-hmm. But I say for myself from that New Year's Eve Eve night with Chris and Bill Sansoni, like what did you, what did you think growing up in Russia? Because you got into comedy in Russia.
1: Well, I I started there. You know, I I was doing comedy in Russia. It was just different than here. It's interesting that my my son is into trying to uh, get into comedy right now.
0: Son worked at the San Jose. Improv?
1: Yes, yes, he he says. um, He's actually working with me here for these two months. Okay, uh, helping me. uh, And Ralphie May reached out to me. Oh, really? Because I was looking
0: for you. uh And he was like, "His son's at San Jose Improv." Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So, but it's interesting to watch his development of comedy versus mine. Mine was. Very restricted because uh, everything was censored by the Department of Jokes, yeah. uh, and it was and that
0: was a real thing.
1: This was totally a real thing. It wasn't
0: like it, like I think you know on Carson you made that joke, yeah. And I I I think but I, nah. I think we thought we thought oh I get it. No. Yeah, that's the, their system.
1: No, no, it was Minister of Culture had Department of Music, Department of Dance, Department of Humor, and so we were under that Department of Humor, and we had to be we had to write up our material way in advance and submit it to the Department of Jokes, and then they would approve it once a year, and you had to stick with the script. Nothing was improvised. So yeah, you see, your face is like, like you are kidding me. So how
0: did you create material? Did you, when well, like I know that, and I know that you know this as well as I do. But when you lay in bed and you go, "Ooh, that's good." Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Did you? Did
1: are you, you talking about humor? Or comedy, okay, just okay. Comedy, just laying in bed. I'm just checking. <laughs> I'm just checking. <laughs> did you did, yeah. you? did
0: you run it through a sift of ideas of going? That's a good bit, but I could never use that. Uh,
1: more, Most of it was more like a vaudeville comedy. So it was like a pool of old jokes that uh, were regagitated and given a different spin. Uh, but it was funny stuff. It was just not necessarily original material at first. And then... Um, I would, uh, and I was young. I, I started when I was doing, I was 15 years old. So, um, I, bet then, they,
0: I bet they liked it that way.
1: I guess so. I, I don't know if they did or didn't. At this moment, I was just kind of copying other comedians. It was totally acceptable because very few routines were approved by the Department of Jokes. So, there were some national celebrities who were. Um, established and they would once a month they would come out with some new monologue and the comedic mind would just pick it up and it was like okay and then I would go to like club that wasn't getting paid yet at that time and I would just do that kind of as a parody of that person and they all knew who that was and and I was kind of getting my chops on getting the laughs based on something that was already proven and then little by little i started to write my own and develop my own character and but not until i really came to america there, there i was successful regionally and i would do shows around uh, ukraine and uh, a little bit of russia and then and then when i came here and i didn't speak english so that was started from scratch like basically how much did you like
0: how much didn't you speak
1: English? How much didn't I speak? I didn't speak almost at all. I literally would say, hello, how are you, those kind of things. But like I, say something,
0: like, I, speak, I, I would say I speak a little Russian. You do. Uh, what you just Kunyechta. told me.
1: Kunyechta. Is that it? That's it. Yeah. <laughs> now you know how much I knew, yes. So you came really very, literally. Uh, I made the jo-
0: do- a joke in my book that I spoke as much Russian when I went to Russia as a stray dog probably.
1: Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty scary coming here with the dream of wanting to do comedy and recognizing that I I didn't speak English. I actually had that scene. We had an interpreter in New York in Kennedy Airport when we landed and they asked me what do you want to do in America and I in Russian said that I would like to do comedy or organize the way translated the guy translated he didn't speak very good english either but he translated that i i was a master of ceremonies so i want to organize parties and they thought that i want to organize the communist party so all of a sudden uh, they're on the walkie-talkies and now they're all the Agents are coming, and I'm like now they're with guns and dogs and stuff. Organized parties. Yeah, and <laughs> and I'm standing there and said, "What did you say?" And he's nervous too, and he's going, "I don't know exactly, but I said parties." And and I'm saying, "Not parties, no, no, it's so whatever." It uh, so um, so that was pretty interesting. And then and then you know I said, "What is the dog?" do here and and they said they're looking for drugs and i said wow i heard in america people are hooked on drugs but dogs (laughs) and they started laughing and i got i would see and i go oh look look you're laughing you know and it was so
0: and that's almost the very beginning of what became the basis of your
1: of my my of, humor? Yeah, humor was yeah, just very a, much so. a, a sheer misunderstanding and and observing American life and kind of commenting from the perspective that it was unusual. Yeah.
0: No, with the guys that you started with in Russia, the guy that you knew in Russia, mm-hmm. what do they like? Do you ever keep up with any of them? Let I mean, because like the guys I start with in New York, I know where they're at. But did you yeah. ever like?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean. Again, I was at a different level. I was starting out. They were already more established. So when I was back, I was actually back two weeks ago in Ukraine, and I took my kids there uh, to see where I grew up, and which was pretty weird to see that and for them to see it. And capitalists. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. We, we got to my apartment where it was like communal apartment where nine families live still in the same shape that they were in that time. And it was weird, weird. And they were like, are you kidding me? This is how you lived? I said, yeah, this is where comedy comes from, you know? Tough, tough beginnings, you know? And so um, so I I talked to some people. They're older. They, you know, um, they're not doing it as much anymore. And I, I'm just starting out in a way, you know, here... So, so it's our definitely journeys were different from people that are there that, you know, people that I kind of started comedy here. Could you you go back
0: to Russia and do stand up in Russia?
1: I don't think it would be easy to do because I've been for the last 38 years, I've been doing it in English. So to start in Russian again would be tough. I went uh, in um, 1990 when the Berlin Wall came down. And the um, Showtime uh, network wanted me to do a special. Uh, and so they asked me, they, they called initially and said, we want you to go to Russia. And I said, what did I do to you? And they said, well, the Berlin Wall is down. I said, yeah, but what if they're just remodeling? <laughs> and, and, and I did go and I did half of it in Moscow and half of it in Moscow, Idaho. So it was called Moscow. Yakov Smirna from Moscow-Idaho. And uh, it was an interesting kind of a trip back, a surprising, interesting, uh, kind of a wide-eye open, uh, now going back to Russia. But I don't think I would want to do that again. I always think,
0: uh, when I think of your career, I always wonder if you had that looming fear of the... F- of. The possibility, and I, this is hard for anyone that's not my age forty two mm-hmm. or, or or just around our age. If you had the looming fear of what if they won the war and what would happen to you, like because you were making a living almost, it, almost like propagandizing the United States, if that makes sense. Yeah. Know, to say propaganda, in the United States doesn't make sense, but like you were, but you weren't doing it like you weren't shitting on Russia you were you were just giving it a very human yeah like, like not i'm sure your comedy would have been outlawed by the yeah it
1: definitely yeah yeah, Did yeah you ever
0: wonder like what if they win
1: well in my mind that fear was so uh real i mean every joke that that i was doing that had to do with russia or against russia I was nervous about it because it was in my blood. Yeah. just grew up with that, and I remember when i uh, I did the um, playboy magazine did the story on me big story feature story uh, early in my career and I remember um, it was twenty questions, and they spent like three, four days with me talking, and then they picked this twenty questions. And when I read first copy came out, and uh, it was before Christmas, um, and I remember reading it, and I literally because they picked the only questions that they thought were intriguing, and they were scary to me. It was like I was in the military in in the Soviet Union, so they wanted to know about where I served and stuff like that, and. Um, and it wasn't any major stuff but it was still they combined those 20 questions and all of a sudden it was like holy crap this is gonna they're gonna shoot me they're gonna i literally i remember i lived uh next to to the comedy store in the crest hill house where a lot of comedians lived so i locked the doors i mean i was literally uh andrew dice clay was my roommate and uh sam kennison for a while and then um argus hamilton um tom wilson Uh, It was a communal apartment of comedians, you know, and so uh, then I remember that Jay Leno, I I knew that he was having a Christmas party and I took dark streets on that night to get to see because if I, I figure if Jay Leno reads it and kind of gives me his input, maybe I will be okay, nobody will shoot me. That's
0: very real. Like, I don't think anyone understands
1: how real that was. Oh, totally. Oh, no, this was fear. I mean, this was literally because at that time, I didn't know any better. And so I remember him reading it and he laughed and he goes, he didn't say anything more than we learned in high school. And then it was like, okay, fine. You know, because I remember like first time I saw um, uh, somebody was doing a joke about Jimmy Carter and... And the joke was that he had a hemorrhoid operation, and now he's going to be a perfect asshole again. And I ducked. I literally thought somebody will kill that guy. Look, yeah. Because it was all in my mind was that fear that took years for you me to kind of... You were 26 when you left. Yes.
0: 26 is like a grown-up. Yeah, like big you, time. You left as a grown-up. Yeah, definitely. So that is fear instilled in high school in grade school in preschool, oh, yeah, yeah
1: it's mother's milk it came with that yeah
0: so um so that that i mean like and i i don't know if it's impressed do you impress it with your children about how how
1: really scary the cold war was i think they're getting it but it's not an easy thing to get, you know, until... I mean, this trip was really helpful uh, to them to see the reality of things a lot more. Because in the past, they just kind of thought, oh, it's just dad stories, you know, but... They don't believe you. Well, don't like I, don't they're, they I don't think they think I'm lying. I don't think they just... They don't – it's not their reality. But in a weird way,
0: like you've been this larger-than-life figure to them in their eyes. Yeah. And you – they hear these stories, but they weren't there. Exactly. And, I mean, what were they – I mean, they must have been young when you guys left
1: for Branson. Like – Oh, yeah. Natasha was two. Alexander was six months old. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so, in a weird way, they don't remember how I – they don't remember you how I remember you, like I like when I remember. I remember you and like I just have this visual of you in those ridiculous eighties flashy Arsenio suits with like a beautiful woman next to you and going like, "Holy cow!"
1: Yeah, what like, a country! Like almost yeah. like a
0: Lamborghini behind <laughs> <laughs> right, It was. Yeah. What did you come oh, yeah. up with? The what a country. When did? When was that first it, time that that? Clicked?
1: It happened actually uh, gradually, and I was using it in my show, and I remember. Um, at the comedy store somebody came over to me after the show and said that's a great phrase what a country and that clicked it was like oh yeah so i was already using it but i didn't recognize how significant it was you didn't need uh
0: you didn't almost didn't you didn't need anything to the joke. It was just you could tag it with what a country. And it, I mean, like like you could go, I walk off a plane and it says, everyone loves, America loves Smirnoff. Right. And you right. could go, what a country. Like, yeah. It, it, yeah. it surprised more it, it than – It did.
1: It did. Definitely. However, it was very strategic because if the joke wasn't funny. Oh, right, right.
0: Exactly. It, it, there was a setup, yeah. but it was like that phrase. Yeah. And that was arguably before comedians were using the,
1: oh, 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 oh. you ah. know? Yeah, I I think uh, several comedians already had, like Rodney had, uh, I get no respect. Yeah. Uh, Joan Rivers had, uh, can we talk? So it was that catchphrase that developed, and it was lucky. I mean, it was definitely very fortunate for me. What was it like trying to learn English and tell jokes at the same time? (laughs) It it was challenging because, you know, you get, if, if you didn't, do it right people stare at you because they just don't know what you said so uh did you ever say
0: something that you didn't know what you said but it killed you went i don't know what i said but i'm using it again yeah
1: <laughs> yeah the word yep uh yep in english means yes in russian means sex and i remember <laughs> yeah and i remember mentioning that in a bar i was a bartender in grossinger's hotel in new york and and i said something yep yep and uh and, or no, one of the waitresses kept saying "yep, yep," and I'm going, "Are you offering?" and <laughs> and and she said, "What?" You know. So it was funny, and then it became a big joke for the whole routine. Wow. Yeah. Did Mitzi pick you out right away when she? She actually did. She, I came to L.A. Uh, from New York for ten days. I had it. I had everything planned out. I was working as a shipping manager in New York for a company called Greeting Bells, and it was making Christmas ornaments. And the manager there knew somebody, a producer from tree's company, Ted Bergman. And so she said, I'll introduce you, so, and I'll give you a 10-day vacation, and so you can go and do what you need to do. And so I made a plan that I'll go become a star in 10 days and come back and buy my parents fifth avenue apartment at I the
0: time you're living in the lower east side with your parents
1: upper i i was living in washington heights so okay. it was 181st street okay and so 10 days i gave myself a lot of time i figured
0: true. you and Aston Kutcher. <laughs> he gave himself eleven. I'm eleven, not no. Yeah. From what I remember, he gave himself eleven days. Well, in LA.
1: <laughs> so I get there, I get here, and I booked myself in the improv to do potluck and and the, the comedy store. The improv was didn't go so well, but the comedy store, he was supposed to come and see me, but he couldn't make it, and uh, and I was really disappointed because it was ruining my ten day plan. plan. Yeah. And so um I was disappointed even though the set was good, but I kind of walked out of there going, Oh man, this is gonna be harder than I thought. And uh, Mitzi's assistant, Chrissy, um she followed me out and and she goes, Congratulations, you know, Mitzi liked you and I said, Who is who is Mitzi? Yeah. And um, she said, She's the owner of the company, she said, Go talk to her. So I sat down next to Mitzi and and, and she said Stay in Los Angeles. There is always place for good and different.
0: So that's what Mitzi would say it yeah. sound like. Yeah. Had she had her family never immigrated from Eastern Europe.
1: The same same <laughs> thing. Same thing. And so she so and I go, okay, but I have no idea who I'm talking to, right? And and then she said, Why don't you come back tomorrow and see a regular show and then you decide. So I came next day. First person on stage was Robin Williams. Second was Billy Crystal. Third was uh, David Letterman. Fourth was Jay Leno. And fifth was uh, Jeff Altman. And I sat in the back there, and I I thought I died and went to heaven because I saw those people on TV. Yeah. And here they are in real life, and I'm sitting in the room with them. And it's like, so I— so. So I realized later, I realized that I actually made it in less than 10 days, you know, that that yeah. I was already there. That's a gift. And the- I never left. I never left. I well, never backed. And then Mitzi said, you know, I said, but my parents are in New York. What do I do? And she said, well, what does your dad do? And I said, well, he's a building construction engineer. And And she said, well, have him come here. I'll give him a job as a carpenter. And where do you live? I said, I don't have a place to live right now. And she said, well, I have a house up there, and there are a bunch of comedians live there. You can rent a room there. And so all of a sudden, I had a place to live, and then I brought my parents, and my dad started working there at this carpenter, and I and I was working kind of alongside with him because he couldn't really do what he needed to do. So I became the carpenter for first two years of being in L.A. With, at the comedy store. So there you go. That's my beginnings. So wait, what year is that? That was 78. 78, 78 79.
0: You came to Russia? Or you came to America in what? 77. 77. So Holy shit. Yeah. So you come to America
1: and within a couple a of years year. Yeah, a, a year you're you're past I was store. making a movie with Robin Williams in 1981. Yeah. Yeah. Holy yeah. I mean that is yeah, yeah, And I honestly didn't realize what was happening to me because I, ca- I didn't know any better. So I kind of go, hey, here is Robin Williams. He wants me to do a movie. And here I'm working with Harry Anderson and he wants me to do the night court. And here I am with Tom Hanks doing a movie. And here I am with Meryl Streep and Jack Nicholson. I, I'm thinking, hey, this is how life works in America. What should, a country. Everyone
0: should come to America. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's going great, you know. That's insane. Yeah.
0: So then yeah. so then you... I I, mean, I think I'm I'm caught off guard by the fact of how quickly that happened did you have did you have haters
1: did i have what haters like people who hated you because you were getting successful Uh, uh, maybe i mean i i don't know i i can't tell you for sure because nobody openly uh, said anything you know comedy
0: you know that everyone anyone that gets success all the other comics start disliking them
1: I I can't I I can't say that because but you were so different yeah, than, than I was, everyone
0: else that it was, everyone's like well yeah. I'm not going out for the one Russian guy in America part.
1: right I was a carpenter in a comedy store uh, getting a role in movie Mask on a Hudson you know so it was kind of a cool thing I mean I had like Jim McCauley who was booking the Tonight Show he didn't care for me he didn't really? think yeah 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 I I couldn't get on Tonight Show to save my life um, for like six years, I tried and he would come and, and would not put me on. And then finally, you know, he came in one and he said, listen, you're going to get on this show when the hell freezes over literally. And I, I, and so I started watching weather channel (laughs) figure, Hey, and, and then, and then I, so I kind of knew it's not going to happen for, you know, and, and I did a Miller Lite commercial. And uh, that... What was the...
0: What was the... I, I remember this Miller Lite commercial. In America, that was you can your first always
1: big... find a party. In Russia, a party always finds you. Yeah. And Carson saw it. And he asked Jim McCauley, why don't we have him on the show? And McCauley said, oh, we were about to. And so here I was on, um, on The Tonight Show. And... Carson waved me over, which happened to very few comedians. I didn't expect it; nothing was set up, and he just was impressed, and he waved me over. I sat down, and and I said, um, uh, Johnny, you know, I love this country because in America you have things we never had in Russia, like policemen have warning shots. <laughs> yeah. And he almost fell off the chair. And that was, and then we went to a commercial, and then Macaulay comes over and says, wow, this was great. Can you do another one, like, a couple of weeks from now? And, and I said, when the hell freezes over. <laughs> so, but eventually, you know, I did, like, seven of those shows. So. What was the, at the end of one, one of your Carson sets, you
0: talked about Thanksgiving. Mm. Yeah, and, that was and, the first set, and it, yeah. And it gets cut off halfway through and i didn't get the punchline oh, online. line oh. i didn't get you said you know your parent you america has thanksgiving you'd never experienced thanksgiving mm. and you didn't thanks seemed like such a simple word for americans to say for all the freedom they have right and you right. said and we held hands and then it, the video oh, it cut off it cut off oh no off. is there a punchline or is it just like it a,
1: was the the this simple you know the answer was now i know what i, I didn't know we were holding hands And three adults could not figure out what to say to say thanks for all of those wonderful things that we got freedom and opportunities. And now I know what it is. It's thanks. And that was it. So what was it like for your dad and your
0: mom who had grown up in Russia? Mm. And literally, and I know this from my time there, but... The idea of dreams are, were, were extring, extinguished. Yeah. There's no such thing as a dream. Right, right, right. Like, I mean, it, right. Right. it was. I remember just having conversations about what I wanted to do. Mm. And I would hung out with all guys that had been grown up like you did in communism. And then it ended. And they had no concept of the idea of, like, what am I supposed to do? What, do you right. mean, what am I supposed to do? i was supposed to live with my parents. That's what I was supposed right, to do. Right, right. Everything uh, was planned. Right? Everything was planned. And then what was it like for your parents to then ha- try to put your life and perspective, like did you have conversations with your dad that he was like, Yakov, I have no clue what's going on with your life? Or
1: Actually, my dad was the initiator of all of this. And, and... He was an inventor. Yes.
0: So he was a big thinker in a... Yes, in a, in a, a dreamer, minded. big yeah. time
1: in that environment, yes. And he um, is the one who started my thinking about it because uh, again like you're saying it's like everybody is like by the numbers they live by the numbers you know and he saw it out of the box and he said you know to my mom he kept saying you want him to be happy someday you want Yakov to be happy and, and she was scared because she didn't know if I'm going to be able to learn the language and become successful that she didn't know and so she was nervous and he kept pushing and he kept pushing and then eventually um he when i was ready i started working on the cruise ship on the black sea and on the love barge i call it the love barge <laughs> and so i got a lot of americans on those ships and they and i was able to without speaking english through interpreter, able to create comedy for all these different nationalities. And my mom saw it, and she was a smart lady, and she saw that it wasn't just the actual words. It was my facial expression. It was my timing. It was all of those other things. Yeah. And so she started thinking about that, too. And then we didn't have any money uh, to afford the trip, and my dad sold this invention that was a device, actually, it's somewhere here, a device that tests the integrity of concrete. And I didn't know concrete had integrity. And so they gave him enough money for us to buy three airline tickets to go to America. And that changed everything. So now all of a sudden we had the money and my mom was already kind of on board to to go. And so for them... It was scary, but dad was adventurous. Mom was nervous, but hard worker. You're an only child. I'm the only child. And we really were okay. You know, it, it's scary, but okay.
0: But you get the Miller Lite commercial. Your oh, dad yeah. sees you on TV. Oh, yeah. Is there a oh. moment that your dad like kind of looks at you and he's like,
1: Oh, like, yeah. What the? Yeah.
0: F-? This is meant for Lenin and Stalin. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the only people no, Yeah, you know, ever saw yeah, on
1: TV. He was, he was a cheerleader before he saw me on TV. He could picture all of this, uh, actually, in his mind. Really? The, 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 yeah, he was definitely... I got a lot of that going, nothing stops you, you know, why not? Go for it, do well, that's it.
0: That's the weird do thing it. about you. That not, And I don't know if you notice it, because sometimes I think sometimes people... In their careers, are so close to the forest they can 't see the trees, mm. but like you are one of those people that, even at the most adverse times in your career, you didn't go like, "Oh, I guess I'll get into drugs and alcohol." You were like, "What do I do next
1: oh yeah oh
0: yeah this is the this. scariest thing in this business I want to get there. I want to talk about it the moment where you have a like a, a a a million dollar mansion and you have two kids and you and the the wall falls and communism drops mm-hmm. and you're sitting there going, by, by the way, I've never connected more with another comic. And I'm not, I never had that much money. I would never, I'm not as famous as you were at that moment. But to think, oh shit, what's my next move? Mm-hmm. Because we got all our eggs in this basket. Like that's it. All I know how to do is make people laugh. That's it. Yeah. And if the second that ends or the second people don't want to see it, I don't know how to parallel that. I don't know how to like jive out of that out of that moment and it's I gave my daughter a kiss goodnight the other night and I literally thought like you know today with the thought police and the word police like what if I say the wrong word or what if I say something and I'm and I've been drinking and it comes out wrong and Mm. and I regret it the next morning honestly but then everyone hates me and now I don't get jobs anymore and everyone thinks I'm a bad person and I'm kissing my daughter on the head thinking like oh shit this kid depends on me (laughs) like that's a lot of pressure
1: Mm. And you yeah. felt it. Oh yeah, big time. I uh it was 1991. So um Natasha was 1 year old and uh my wife was pregnant with Alexander and we have we um, were we were at her parents' house in Oregon and we it was David Letterman um uh, on the night of the collapse of the Soviet Union. And he says here are the top ten list of things that now will change. The Soviet Union is gone, and I make number one on the list. Yakov Smirnov will be out of work, and I am sitting there, and my father-in-law is laughing his ass off, and I'm like going, "This might not be good," oh, you shit. know? Yeah. And you knew David Letterman. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you didn't mean it out of spite. No, it no, it just right. yeah. I'm a punchline, you know. It's yeah. like, uh, what else do you talk about Russia? They look it up. I'm right there, you know. So, and um, and so, first six months after that, I kind of think, okay, I gotta reinvent my. Because what happened is, I had contracts in Vegas, Atlantic City, Reno, Tahoe. I'm in two and a half million dollar home in Pacific Palisades. And my mortgage is like 8000 a month. And I'm like, my contracts are not renewed. None of those places renewed my contracts. Because it was like, all of a sudden, the industry kind of made that decision. I'm no longer funny. I'm no longer relevant. And I don't have a place to go. So I started doing clubs. But in clubs, people are not coming either like they used to. So all of a sudden, it's like, what do I do? So I started looking for a place where they did not know that the Soviet Union collapsed. Branson, Missouri, <laughs> <laughs> and they still don't know, and they don't care. It is. It is a
0: Branson's a beautiful place. I it's love it I totally. Love it. But it's. It's there is a. There is a. Very, there is a very uh, thinly veiled respect for how great it was when we were, the Cold War was around.
1: God bless him. Why not? You know? And so I came here and, um, uh, it was, uh, May of 2000, uh, 1993. And I, again, Natasha was two now, two and a half. Alexander was six months old, um, and uh we we just arrived and kind of hoping for the best and it was like you know there there is the there is the picture of the kids when we came to to Branson see that one yeah yeah and um and I just rolled up my sleeves and said okay um I'm gonna do what I can and uh and this community been fantastic and they they're they they really appreciate hard work and they appreciate clean humor and they appreciate um the family values so i had all of did you, you ever ever work dirty no no you've always been too. clean yeah yeah i wish i could say that so it was easy for me to to blend in i had to clean up some things you know like you can you can't have you can't say sex here you have to say like Romantic, no, you have no idea how little my act would play. (laughs) I can't (laughs) even tell you. Yeah, I had to adjust, you know, but it wasn't a major adjustment for me. So, and then it took a long time. First show I did here, I had. But why Branson? Like, so, like, are you in? Are you in Hollywood? Like, on a on
0: at the time, Google Maps didn't wasn't around. Were you just in Hollywood looking through a? a No, well,
1: it was emergency landing by. Definitely because Did you play here once and do n- well. No, no, I never I didn't know and that would be the last place I would want to look in because people saying, What about Branson Missouri? Say, Missouri, what are you talking about? You know, I live in in Palisades. Why would I go to Missouri? You know, but necessity is a mother of invention. When there was no more options, I kind of said, Okay, well let me try it. So I came here in March of nineteen ninety three and I walked into one of the theaters. There's a guy named Soji Tabuchi here. He's a vi- I saw that. Uh, yeah. He's a Japanese violinist. Uh, right? I it was a
0: Japanese steakhouse.
1: Close enough. I mean, they they have. I saw you. the thing. I thought, yeah.
0: oh, we should eat there tonight.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but Soji is a talented guy and plays violin, and he has a very heavy Japanese accent. But the, and I walked into a place, his theater. It was March. And it was 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And it was packed, 2,000 people in the theater. I'm going, where am I? What is this? And, and then I went to see Andy Williams in the evening, and it was packed there. And so that, that made me March, and then May I opened here. But I didn't realize that they were preparing, uh, selling tickets in advance. That's why it was packed. Yeah. My first show was 17 people. So now I have two little kids, and I'm going, I, I have no idea what's going to happen Are here. you still married at the time? Yeah. Yeah, I was. Now, did the move to Branson break up the marriage? <sighs> it's hard to say. It was a lot of... Uh, I, initially, it was kind of good because it was uniting us, but then there was difficulties just by not understanding what makes relationships work. I think it's just immaturity because I feel I feel like in my business career I was pretty immature, but in my relationship I was not. I didn't know enough to to know how to sustain happiness or and that actually became what Made my next career what will be my next career because for since i we broke up, I have been working on this I got my master 's degree in psychology uh, at the University of Pennsylvania while because I wanted to figure this out and it started with when we we separated, my daughter was about seven and um, and I was reading her uh, Cinderella. And it ended with saying, uh, "You have, you know, they live happily ever after." And she looked at me with the blue blue eyes, and she said, "Daddy, why, why didn't you and mommy live happily ever after?" And I came with a great answer. I said, "Go to sleep," <laughs> but I couldn't sleep. So now it became my quest. I wanted to intelligently answer her question. And that became my life quest, really. And I think that that's the next happily ever laughter is really the next what a country. Because I believe majority of people today are struggling. The Cold War is no longer between Russia and America and between men and women and it's in our bedrooms. You know, so I... I was telling that to him. I'm not going to get into it because it's a bit that
0: probably would not make this podcast great. But I was talking to him about... Feminism and my wife and and but yeah, I do think there is a there's a genuine cold war between
1: it's just it's the same thing that from men are from Venus, women are from mars type thing in some ways more updated version I actually talked to John Gray today because he's uh hold on what do you mean you talk to him you just, like called him up or no, he called me. <laughs> <laughs> He called me. He's doing a summit. And, you're, you're, uh, you're you're also taught a class over at Missouri. I'm, I te- I'm a professor at Missouri State University, yeah. But um, John and I are friends, so this is like something that, yeah, there you go. There's John today called me talking about doing this telephone summit about conscious man and how...
0: I love that you're... I, 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 could, yeah. oh, I could care less about that. I love that your daughter... Adopted the Smirnoff
1: last name. Absolutely. I she love didn't that. adopt it. It's my real it's my legal name. So now you changed it from the it it Pokis Pokis. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't very catchy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was a bartender and I yeah. people were saying, Can I have some Smirnov? and I'm going, Oh, that's a good name. So that's how it started. So um what was
0: What was the progression of Branson like? We started seventeen people.
1: Yeah, and then it took year. And You're, a half.
0: You don't have the brain that just goes. I'll call
1: my manager. Why aren't they coming? You have the brain that goes. How do well, I fix this? What do I need to do? Yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah, and actually, when I went to college, um, one of the tests was interesting. Uh, it was VIA. It's called VIA test. Really good. It's uh, your uh, your strength. Your your. Um, Top strings. Yeah, they did, they did that for us in college. I was supposed to be a
0: refrigerator repairman. Oh, yeah, you be,
1: that's what I studied to be. In, really? Yeah, refrigeration mechanic. Yeah. yeah, that's what
0: they said. they were like, that's what you're best suited yeah. for. and I was like, I have bigger. I'm in college. I have a lot bigger plans than that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> but I went to trade school to be a refrigerator mechanic. Are you that serious? was my first uh, trade school. Yeah, after that was a kind of a high school education there. But the, but my yeah. Uh, strengths were so um uh, different when i saw this i thought humor will be like top on my list yeah it was number 11 really yes number one strength was ingenuity number two was originality number three was inventiveness number four was tenacity and number five was social intelligence and if you look at anything I've done, those five strengths were carrying me. Humor was just there to to pay the bills. But what was making this like coming to Branson and saying, "Okay, there's 17 people. How do I make it 18 next show? How do I make it 25 next show? How do?" I... And exponentially it grew. And uh, two years after, I had 2,500 people. Uh, I I would serve breakfast to them. I would do 10 o'clock in the morning show, and I would have box Russian breakfast, and 2,500 people would get breakfast at the same time. And that's how I would uh, grow my business. Why 10 a.m.? Because uh, I was the only one who would be willing to do it at that time. So you didn't, I didn't have any care, competition? And there was no competition.
0: I do a 10 a.m. show. You I do? I do a... Uh... I do a noon show, uh-huh. a noon or 11 o'clock uh-huh. show called the Call and Sick to Work show, where I uh-huh. go into markets, I do radio, uh-huh. I drink on radio, uh-huh. uh, I drink from 8 till 10, and then I drive straight to the club and everyone calls and sick to work, and then we do a show at like 11 o'clock. There you go. But it's not, uh, it's, it's, not the, it's, uh, it's just, I don't know, it's just because I drink too much, probably. You don't drink at
1: all, do you? I don't. You, have you ever drank? Uh, when I was in clubs, you know, would have a white Russian or whatever. Really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just everybody was drinking, yeah. you know, but, but I never drank, drank. I just... You're a little bit of a health guy. Very much so. Because uh, you want to live forever. Mm, as long as I can. So what yeah. do you? What's your diet? I'm very specific. I uh, um, have, you know, I, I drink green juice in the morning, which is spinach and uh, celery and uh, uh like juice it or I juice it juice it yeah okay. I, I juice it every morning yeah so i get um spinach uh celery and cucumbers that's, that's my breakfast one. and no, then no
0: green apple in there
1: no no oh, it's yeah. sugar but
0: it's so good when yeah, you put it in but
1: it's sugar yeah <laughs> and then uh, i'll have a half of a grapefruit and that's every morning and then uh, I'll have a little bit later some egg omelet with just some tomatoes and onions and stuff like that. And then my lunch would be a piece of fish with some buckwheat, uh, which is a Russian, you know, version of I mean, it, it just it's a healthier grain. Yeah. And uh, some broccoli. So and that's kind of dinner too, similar to that. But what happened to the like Russian taste buds? Like the Russian taste buds. Don't tell me. I mean, if I walk into a Russian store yeah. that has like desserts and stuff, I lose it. I'm, I become like a two-year-old, a three-year-old. I go, I'm, I want this and I want this and I want this. And then I go, then next week I have to like be more careful to lose all of that stuff. Do you work out? Yeah. Like what, running and stuff? No, weights and uh, uh, mostly, mostly weight training. Running, not as much. Maybe like an hour or two hours a week, I'll, I'll do a treadmill. Do you remember watching the Olympics when you were a kid? Yeah. Like what not, Olympics? Not, no, not, not when I was a kid, no. Like when did you watch them? Um, two years ago. Oh, really? Uh, <laughs> yeah.
0: Like, like, but like, I, that's so pivotal to me is those Olympics. Like we did a segment for our show where we went um, bobsledding. Uh-huh. I thought I thought bobsledding was so was such a lighthouse for for uh, competition. Mm. Like I remember, I remember, I remember. I've talked about this all the time, and I, I don't know if I'm am I'm, I'm, I'm saying it properly, but like I remember the Cold War so much that it, it literally bobsledding was like something where you picked your team and your guy you had no connection with bobsledding like, no one had ever bobsledded but you were like that's our bobsled team that's us yes, and like, that's but did, us. You, did you guys watch the olympics in russia when you were kids
1: i i think for me no we did not no i don't remember that being so and they maybe you just because it all over i not not that i remember yeah i remember so we competing
0: against ourselves
1: almost I think so, but like Space Program, I remember that very much. I was just in, I went to the school where I grew up, and I remember where I was standing when the Sputnik went on, and then I remember when, um, you know, John F. Kennedy was shot. They would show us that, uh, so they would, you know, they would show us good things about Russia and bad things about America, you know, things like that. So those I remember, and that became kind of a Cold War the way from that side, you know. Yeah. How hard was it
0: transitioning out of um, what a country, like, like right when you got to like that whole? You had to, had to have at least an hour of that <laughs> material that was murderous to come into Branson. the The walls
1: dropped. How well, hard was it to transition Well, they didn't. Material? I mean, the, the the great thing about this place that. If it's funny, they will appreciate it. Yeah. So I didn't have to and change. It was funny as shit. Yeah. yeah. It was and funny the, as shit. Yeah. I mean,
0: we listened to it, oddly enough. It's and still, the, when the, after we wrapped today, we got in the car and drove, and we were listening to it. I think it was your uh, Rodney your Dangerfield. Yeah. Just
1: murder. It's still funny stuff. It's so some funny. of it worked really well here for years and years. And then, little by little, as my life was changing, I was uh, putting in new material and finding new things that people i wanted to talk about and it was my evolution as a as a person and then uh, recognizing the relationship angle of how important it is for people to recognize what's going on and i and i got a glimpse of it from a perspective of laughter Because laughter is there when you meet that special someone and you remember happiness and joy and everybody is laughing and everything is good. And then you get intimate and moving together. And when things go wrong, laughter is the first thing that stops. Yeah. And second thing goes is intimacy. And third goes your house in that order. <laughs> yeah. So so and it's universal. And when you look at the divorce rate, it's scary. I mean, it's first, you know, first marriage is about 50%, second marriage is 63%, third marriage is 74% divorce rate. Wow. That's that's scary, you know. So people don't recognize that that we are in crisis, but people don't know about it. So I'm doing a TV um, pbs special uh january 9 i'm filming pbs special called happily ever laughter and it's a very it's exciting this is where i was right before i came here i was writing uh, material and so it's kind of information gift wrapped in laughter and i find it to be fascinating because to me humor around it is as important as the actual facts and people are just totally unaware of them totally do you read read a lot of self-help books I used to read more than now i think i'm more into actual scientific research more and i want to do my phd i might do it in berkeley i'm kind of debating right now i have a couple of places that and i because i'm really passionate about this i really want to kind of figure this out and and develop something that could be sustainable that people can actually go oh wow I, I see what's going on here so how much are you in branson well this will be my last year here wait yeah You're this done is yet? it yeah i'm done i'm done you sell in yeah. the theater or are you gonna keep No. It well it they, they, the acrobats of china renting it from me so chinese and russians are Again in the Eastern Bloc, yeah. you know, and they're doing fine, and so I don't really need to be here anymore. And I feel like now I need to be full time there. I want to do Dancing with the Stars. I want to kind of do whatever I can do to. Is that why you back. were dancing class today? Yeah, yeah. So you're <laughs> you're really. I'm into this. I'm 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 going for it again. It's but it's it's so funny because in my
0: book you've made it. Yeah, like you, I mean, I, you don't. But what is that? But what what
1: is that? What has made it? I don't know. I always look at this business as like, as like, take the money. And, but that's and, and get not. Out. That's not. That's not the. I mean, maybe when you don't have it, um, it, that might be seem like a goal. But when you do have it, it's like well, and then what? Well, no, because my,
0: my, honestly, and maybe we just are generationally, generationally different, but, like, my goal is to make a big chunk of money and then do what I want. Like, do, just do stand-up, and no one can get me in trouble. Not, not that get me in trouble is, like, a big thing these days, but, like, like you don't have to worry about other things.
1: Well, I'm not worried, about but things. you're not
0: worried. But you, I, I mean, you don't have to say how much money you have. But I know you have a lot of money, and but you don't need more money.
1: No, like, it's like, not about money. It's not about money. It's no, about, it's about making a difference.
0: Is it about making a difference, or is there? And I say this candidly, just asking. Please, is it about making a difference, or is it about that
1: first time on Carson when he waved you over? No, at that time, I just wanted to get laid. No, I mean, at that time... (laughs) I love that, I love, I love that, like, the only
0: time in my entire podcasting history I get, like, real aggressively meta, and you're like, "Nah, I'm just looking to get laid. (laughs) Like, but, like, remember that, like, you knew that Carson waved people over, and you knew that the wave over meant...
1: Well, no, 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 I obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, symbolizing it. But what I'm saying is, at that stage of my life, uh, the 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 basic needs were more like you know meeting a girl getting a house uh buying a car yeah. those are the basic needs very uh, reptilian. Uh, yes and now i feel like i want to really make a difference because i believe i i was given this talent and uh, this platform to be able to say something of value and i 'm really interested in that, so like you 're saying i want to do you want to do what you want to do, and th- getting a PhD is what I want to do nobody's telling me to do it yeah. um, uh, because I actually want to do research okay, i want no, that makes sense that yeah makes,
0: i don 't know why i don 't recognize that as easily as i should but like you're right. yeah i i just want to do i just want to do stand up like I, I mean I love doing television, I yeah. love it to death, but there is this you know and I'm sure you know this as much as I do, but you, all of a sudden, you can afford nicer things, and then your family gets accustomed to nicer things, and the fear of losing those nicer things becomes something that you get worried about. You're right? And in a weird way, your stand-up is leveraged out of like, out of like, like you just you come up with a bit, just like you must have in Communist Russia, and and we're like, I don't know, that's maybe maybe I'll wait until I'm not on TV to come up with. to to work that out.
1: Yes. And and I could stay here forever if I wanted to. And when I go on the stage, the audience loves me. They already come here to see me, so I don't have to go, like, at the comedy store. I got to be one of ten guys that they, you know, between... Uh, you know, Joe Rogan and, uh, you know, other guys. who are, And so they don't come to see me specifically there. So I work harder there than I would work here. You got 2,000 people every day. That that come to see me. And, Literally. And yeah. But Buying l- merchandise. Yeah. Like losing their minds. Well, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't say there's 2,000 every day, but it's a pretty good average and but the but the good thing is that people are coming to see me, and it feels good. However, I feel like there is more to life than this, and I was given this opportunity to be able to do something of value, and that's what that's what drives me. That's what motivates me. Mm-hmm. So it's a good feeling to be able to have that um, opportunity. And and a lot of people might disagree and, and say, "Hey, just pick up the check and be done." But it's not what I'm. What so interesting I'm interested that,
0: in. that Russia. I say Russia, I should say Soviet Union, because but yeah. Soviet Union gave us someone and tried to turn you into a capitalist, but in a weird way, you're a socialist when it comes to life.
1: Well, it's It's easy to be. You don't need more it money. It's easy to be socialist after you're capitalist. You know? <laughs> <laughs> the other way around, no. Yeah. But this way, I'm okay. You know, I I'm okay. I'm comfortable and. The point is it's not a priority for me. And, and the other thing is when you're on television, you have a bigger platform. You can be seen by a lot more people. Yeah. And when you have something important to say, you want to have the right demographic, the right people. And the audience here is older, and they can't really take this knowledge and do much with it. They laugh. They enjoy it. But they don't have the opportunity. This demographic can really use it.
0: The demographic listening to this right now is
1: the one that it's grateful to talk to. Like listening to podcasts, that those people, right? And that's why I want to be visible to that demographic because they can actually benefit from it. Have you ever thought about
0: taping your your classes that you teach and putting them all up as podcasts?
1: I don't see them as as entertaining. Cl- the, a, the
0: entertainment is half of what sells these days. Like what what is what really sells? Like history podcasts are huge. Really, like I love history. I'll, I'll, when we get done, I'll run you through like a couple of the really good history people. And if you're into history, fascinating. I listened to one last night. Was the history the backstory of oil, mm. and they explained how oil. Got to where it is today. Oh, I was was fascinated. Yeah. You you would love Dan Carlin. Dan Carlin does hardcore history and he talks about the Russian, the Russian German war in world war Uh one and, uh, the cons and the, uh, uh, not Shaka. What's it? Uh, Genghis Khan. (laughs) Genghis Khan. But, uh, but yeah, it's really, there's some, I like, I'd love to hear your, if you put up your podcast, your classes on podcast,
1: well, I, it's I a possibility. It. And I'm not sure what form of what I'm trying to do is going to take. I, I was hoping to do a sitcom uh, at some point about similar to my life, basically, that I'm a professor at the university and I teach about happiness and laughter. But when I come home, my life is in disarray. So that's kind of what I was hoping to do. But to get into sitcom you need to be visible again you need to be on television doing other things and then the industry then goes oh yeah he's still alive he's still you know he's not in the walker he's doing okay you know i'm saying fantastic well thank you i feel i feel very healthy and strong so so that needs to be all of this stuff that i have developed here over like 20 i've been here 23 years um you've been here 23 years years. you've been here longer than i've been doing stand-up so, so time for me to to get out on good behavior and and go and do something else.
0: So, what is the, what is the dream? And I know I, I know that I know I don't know this, but I know in talking to you that you are the guy that believes that putting it out there gets it to happen. Very much so. I believe in that hardcore. Very much. My so. wife, my wife is the impetus of that. Mm-hmm. She is the person that says, "Say you want a sitcom that shoots at CBS Radford." and you can ride your bike to work say you want that and i said i wanted it and 3 years i've been in development with the exact same guy there you and our know. sitcom we shoot at CBS Radford wow so okay. and and it everything falls apart you yeah. know that but yeah. everything falls apart but i, I put it out there yeah. so like put it out there what what is what do you want
1: i i think sitcom similar to you know like bob newhart show that uh, you know that that kind of a character i totally see it i actually you see i do stuff that I, last season when I was here, I wrote the script. I then decided, well, I'm, I have a theater, I have the audience, so why don't I just film it here? So I casted, local cast, and I filmed uh, the the show in front of like 500 people audience to, just to see if they're going to laugh and if it's going to, and it worked great. And workshop it. Yeah. So then I was hoping I'll just bring it to Hollywood and and it's going to be taken that way. But they're looking at me. There's a gap, 23-year gap, 25-year gap, where I was that. And they still see me as that Russian guy, what a country, all of that. So I need to reintroduce myself. Yeah. And this is one of the things, you know, they hear this podcast and they go, well, that's an interesting angle or whatever. Well, you're
0: not, yeah, you're not that... You are, you are definitively not that Yakov Smirnov But, but you, you know what? You're Yakov Smirnoff. I probably got uh, bastardized into that Bud-like... Or that Miller-like merch. Yeah. Because I watch you do stand-up and I watch a very talented comedian on stage. Oh, like, you. literally, you are a... Like, it's. you're not going... Oh, what the country! Right, you right. you literally slide it in. Thank it's you. not even a catchphrase. It is a a nod to the like. It's a joke. Right. Um, I would love to see you in a sitcom. I got to ask hmm. you this. I got to. There's like, a, I'm, I'm I'm gonna wrap this up right now. But there's a, there's like a few things I got to just say or ask, or I will be devastated if I don't. <laughs> um, <laughs> number one, and just give me thoughts if you can. You worked with the greatest com. My favorite comics ever. So, uh, just give me your thoughts on them, Robin Williams.
1: Brilliant, uh, mysterious. Uh, but give me the negative things.
0: No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm joking, uh,
1: Robin. <laughs> uh, nothing, nothing on my end except he was very introverted uh, and he? very oh, big time. Yeah, when he was not on, yeah, he would be inside himself, and that's probably where. Where a lot of challenges were happening and then um you know he was so wonderful to work with you know we we did um when I got on on the set uh and you know here I am making a movie with him and I I offered I said listen I can can we embellish this scene you know like I I have this Idea and and he goes yeah sure let's do it man so so we stay up like till two o'clock in the morning, uh, developing the rehearsing the scene with Paul Mazursky uh, next morning supposed to shoot right and, and and Paul and I didn't realize that Robin made a deal with with Paul uh, because in Mork and Mindy he was famous for improvising and, and going off script and totally changing the scenes and everything. But Paul Mazursky wanted to make sure that Robin was under control and would do the script that he wrote. And so I didn't know any of this. And so he made a deal with him to stay with the script. And Robin was enjoying the improv and and we made a better scene, in my opinion. And then so we get on the set and Paul Mazursky says okay let's rehearse it let's see it so he, we we just go okay so we went the way i suggested and and Paul is we finished and we're like so what do you think and he's staring at us going you changed my script and we're like yeah we did isn't it great <laughs> and he goes i'll give you 5 minutes to put it back if you don't do it, you're both fired and i and it was that serious, I mean, I didn't realize it because he made that deal with Robin, and Robin didn't tell me, yeah, and so we put it back in two minutes, <laughs> and it was it, we shot it the way he wanted it, and that was it but but Robin was game to do this kind of stuff, so he was very fun to be around but like I said, there was that side of him that would, once the cameras were off, he would be—he would just go in the inside—and it was very, very um, intelligent, very, but very um, introverted is the best way I can describe it. What about Richard Pryor? Also, another interesting case, you know, Richard would be, I, I worked with, I was in the set for three months with him. Brewster's Millions. Brewster's Millions. Yeah. And uh, hot and cold, you know, just he would be hanging out with everybody and and laughing and having a great time. And then he would just go in his trailer and you don't see him the whole day. And then he would come out and decide to walk on the streets of New York by himself. And, the, yeah, and the guards would, like five steps behind him and he just wanted to get the feeling of people going hey Richard hi and, uh, yeah. and he would be and then close the door done you know stuff. so do so. you ever do cocaine with him? I don't do drugs you've never done cocaine? never done drugs but with. you were in the
0: the store when
1: cocaine was the most oh, prevalent oh yeah yeah I lived with the guys I mean they were partying you lived house. with Kittison? yeah what so, was Kittison like? uh crazy, but No one funny. ever has really
0: nice words to say about him. I, like, I
1: don't have a problem with Skaddison. He was, he was one of my he's one of the people
0: that I probably understood comedy the first with him. Yeah. And I went oh shit, that's comedy. Yeah.
1: And I went oh my god, I think yeah. I like this. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I I, I liked Canderson big time and uh, I'll tell you a cute story. Well, let me tell you the story about the cocaine uh, thing that um the i would go to bed early i would do my set mitzi normally would put me on about nine thirty, and because i was clean and so uh, after other comedians i couldn't go after like a lot of you know unclean humor so so she would go so i would go to bed 11 o'clock or 12 and they would start partying about that time, yeah. and then they would stay up till six, seven. By the time I wake up, they were all gone. But every time, uh, for for weeks, there was a mirror on the table, and that was off the wall, the mirror, and and there was powder, like white powder, a little bit left on it, and I thought they were eating donuts. <laughs> i never thought anything else i just had no point of reference so i would say to argus or to sam or you know i said guys you know can you just like use a plate because it's so much easier to put it in it be so
0: confusing why would they take a mirror off the yeah wall yeah yeah
1: yeah exactly i and i said would well, put it in a dishwasher you have a dishwasher Why why are you, and nobody, they laughed, and they wouldn't tell me, and it was for weeks, and I would go, damn it, guys, what? And so I would wipe it off, hang it back on the wall, and next night, it would be on the table again. It was really funny. Later on, I go, oh, so silly. But with Sam, um, it was actually the night, um, one night, Andrew uh, and Sam were arguing, kind of and they would do like this fake argument it wasn't real and i would get in between of them and they're bigger well sam short but red face and you know and andrew's tall and i'm standing between them and i'm going come on guys you're friends don't fight don't fight and they're going you and and they're at each other's but it was full fake and it was like it would get really, and uh, their both faces were red. And I said, you know, I, I said, why don't you take this to the comedy store and and, and see, do it on stage? Why are you not doing it? So Sam goes, yeah, let's go. And it's like 12 o'clock at night, and we're all piling in the comedy store, and there was only like 20 people in the room. Yeah. And Sam starts screaming at the he was, he had a set, and he starts screaming at the person in the audience just like he was screaming at andrew and we were like laughing dying in the back and that's how it started developing his screaming yeah 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 shut the fuck up well that is yeah yeah (laughs) it's real it's real stuff yeah oh that is crazy Yeah. yeah yeah what uh what was um what was rodney dangerfield like I didn't really spend a lot of time with Rodney. I just know that, you know, he he liked me, and he would walk around in his robe in his, you know, place, and and it was like his his home, you yeah. know. And I remember uh, walking in um, uh, by mistake. I was finished. We finished that special, and I walked in a room, and I and there was cocaine, like a, a mountain of it on the table, and Rodney and Sam and, you know, I don't remember who else was there, and they're all with straws, and I, and I saw this, and I'm like, oh, thank you, oh, I'll see you later. And they're like, come on in, and no, 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 I'm, I'm you know, out of here. But that, I didn't really have much contact with Rodney, but that's the only moment that I remember. It was like I'd never seen it, like a mountain on the table. A lot of donuts. <laughs> A lot of donuts. Uh, Yakov,
0: I'm gonna. Uh, I have to thank you so much for doing this. Oh, sure. It Means the world. It does mean the world. Um, before I end, and I'm gonna edit this out only because I have to tell you this. Okay. But I feel like the main connection that uh, I have with you, and I don't. You know, I know you know nothing about my career, but uh, one of my most famous stories, if not my most famous story, is uh, I went to Russia and I got involved with the Russian mafia. Oh, and, you're uh, kidding. And I robbed a train. And uh You serious. Being dead serious. And um the reason I became friends with the Russian mafia was the same way that America took to you. Uh it was I didn't know any Russian. I didn't know any Russian. And I was gonna say to them, and, and feel free to translate this. This was this <laughs> <on> the sentence I planned on saying. I was gonna say, uh
1: Yes. Drasvimyat hello. Uh Bert. My name is Bert. <laughs> <laughs> nice to meet you. Yaraboteu Koshka. Yaraboteu. Yaraboteu Koshka. Koshka.
0: Koshka.
1: Koshka means a cat. Yeah.
0: Meow, meow.
1: You're working pussy. Oh.
0: So that was the sentence I was going to say to these gangsters when I met
1: them. Ah. And so
0: I, was, I planned it out. Except.
1: But I, it doesn't translate. I did not I didn't know oh, the language. Okay.
0: <laughs> I was like you going, I work for parties <laughs> and they were like, What party? <laughs> but the reason the reason <laughs> that I became friends with them is that I went to the door and when they opened the door I was looking at a the real Russian gangster with the you know, the I say the tattoos and the wife beater with the track pants and the cigarette. Just regular guy, the grown up in communist grey look, cigarette in his hand, and he just looked at me and goes, Stoh. And uh, uh, which means what? Yes. What do you want? And I panicked. What I tried to say to him was, um, (laughs) which means I am the man, right? No, um, Yamashina means I'm a machine. That's what I said to him. Uh I said, Yamashina. I was trying to say Yamashinu, which means I am the man, right?
1: No. Well, what I said to yeah. him was, was "Yamashina." Yeah,
0: And I said, I am the machine. Yes. And he looked at me and said, what did you say? Yeah. And I just said, it, he's Stolti Delish? I said, said Ya And he uh-huh. went, and started giggling. Ah, yeah, And yeah, then brought yeah. me into a room full of nine Russian gangsters and just said, stop, listen to what this guy says. Oh, that's funny. And then so I said, th- just yelled it, "Yamashina!" And they went, he's the machine, fuck it, he's the machine.
1: So that was your nickname? That was my the nickname, The Machine. The Machine. And the, the and the so machine. That's, and then I ended so up. So they said, out "Let's rob a train." Well, basically, kind yeah, of, yeah, kind of.
0: <laughs> but I, but it's 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 one of the things that has kind of propelled my career is this Russian story yeah. that I've I've told that's 100 percent true and is on Facebook. You can find the people in it. But uh, and it's, it's 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 I told it on Joe Rogan's podcast. But as soon as that happened, I immediately felt a connection with you. When I was in Russia, hanging out with these guys. I was this American, big, goofball, loud, drinking beer, didn't know that the things that we were doing were maybe unacceptable, and they just loved me. And it was the same connection. And I felt this connection with you for, it's going to be now at least, like, 20 years. Wow. And so it is
1: beyond an honor to hang out with you and talk to you. It's it's exciting to know that I was not on that train. That's... uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we both have great laughs, <laughs>
0: Thank
1: you.
0: this episode was brought to you by the machine